Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, Happy New Year. This one's for everybody who feels like they're stuck in limbo because you know too much about diet culture, but you don't know what to do now. (laughs) (laughs) I talk about this all the time. It's like, you just know too much. I say that to clients. I'm sure if a client's listening to this right now, they're probably like, oh yeah, this is Christina's tagline. (laughs) You know too much. Now what? I mean, that's the thing is because we always say this is like all of the people that we work with are extremely intelligent. And a lot of the time, by the time people come to be listening to something like this podcast or working with us or considering working with us, you've been through, like Christina likes to say, the rigmarole of like all of these different areas of, you know, primary care physician, maybe some other typical Western medicine doctors doing your own research, trying to figure it out on your own. Maybe you've been to treatment facility or you've been in therapy or maybe you've gone to functional medicine or all these other places and you know so much about your unique set of circumstances. And then you come to us and you're like, here's all my things. How do I make sense of this? Because I'm getting information, whether it's nutrition or wellness or all the things from so many different places that you're caught up in the middle of this mental gymnastics and you're like, well, what the heck do I do now? There's too much. I think also too, at one point or another, everyone has been kind of hyper vigilant about about their food too, or like they feel like they should be. And I think that's exactly what Dana's talking about. It's like we have a lot of really intelligent clients and listeners and everyone's really aware of what what their circumstances are, whether that be a physical thing or they know their history and like, I know exactly where this came from. Like I know exactly what's coming in. And so and it's really hard because when you have a history of consistent constantly seeking ways to improve your health and potential long-term health outcomes, you're going to be susceptible to following wellness trends and top doctors and nutrition influencers and listening to podcasts. And you want to eat a certain type of way because you feel like that's really what's good for you or how you're how you're doing it and like what you're supposed to be doing. And especially when we've talked about this before too, when you have a value of health, right? And we don't really look at, well, what does health mean? We have a very limited view of what that means. And so then you get to this place where you're learning more about diet culture and you're learning about nutrition myths and you're learning about, you know, diet industry. And you're noticing that you're in this cycle for yourself of like restricting and binging and all of the things. And then all of a sudden you're like, how do I, how do I get out of this, this, this cycle that I have found myself in? And how do I know what's real versus what's real, what's not real? And you really get stuck in kind of this limbo type state of, I know too much about diet culture now and the things that I don't really want to participate in, but now I'm standing in front of the refrigerator and being like, what do I even eat? I don't even know where to begin with 
what do I buy at the grocery store? You know, what do I get? What do I do? How do I, how do I feed myself? It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And it's really interesting because this, this limbo state where like, I know too much and now I don't know what to do, like help me make sense of this. Can people can come to this point from multiple different entry points or jumping off points, right? So we've talked about the like hypervigilant around our food because we've, you know, watched all these different documentaries and done all these different things and we really care about our health, but there's nothing that's necessarily severely debilitating symptom-wise every single day. It's more a value of health that's driving this. There's also people who are trying to manage chronic symptoms or gut issues or autoimmune disease or, you know, any of these other things. There are also people who come here because it's just nutrition information overload and we have ADHD or we're totally burnt out or what we like to call functionally dysregulated. And it's like, I don't have the energy to think about this. Somebody just tell me what to do. And then there's also the people who come from chronic dieting, disordered eating, eating disorder. And there's so many other people that end up in this what can look very similar limbo space. And they're like, I'm just trying to manage my own shit. And I don't know how to do that anymore (laughs) because I was doing it one way for so long. But now I'm either being told or learning from different avenues that what you're doing is not necessarily helping you go in the direction that you want to go in. Or maybe the direction that you've been told that you should want to go in has actually been leading you astray. So there's just a lot of different things. And you get everybody gets to the point where they're just like, somebody help me figure this out, damn it, because I don't know what to do. (laughs) And I just, this is even harder. And the reason why we wanted to talk about this around January and the new year is because you have been flooded with constant, you should be doing this and you should be doing this and you should be doing this for, unfortunately, not only the entire year, but of course, it's more concentrated during this time because everyone's like, new year, new me. And then if you've been listening to us for a while and you're like, no, you really don't have to do all of those things. But then you see all these other people in your life who are like, we're doing all the things. And maybe, I mean, not yet because it's very early January, but like in a couple of weeks, if they're like, yeah, I'm doing all the things and I feel really good. You're like, well, I also want to feel really good. So now what am I supposed to do if I don't want to do these extremes that I've gone to in the past anymore? So yeah, we're here for you. How do I meet? How do I meet myself where I am? Especially when you keep hearing all of these things about like what people are doing. They maybe maybe you're not hearing what you should be doing, but you're hearing what everyone else is doing, and that is also an equally like really difficult place to be too. Especially in the age of Ozempic and other weight loss drugs. Oh my god, for sure. You know, it's like you're hearing everybody talking about all the things and seeing and seeing it. And I want to just re- like recognize and acknowledge too that so normal for you to hear about some of these things that people are doing or see someone's body change in a way that's like more ticked into the more socially acceptable and people are commenting on it and feeling like, well, I want that too. Uh, Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe the thing that I didn't do before wasn't right, but what they're doing is actually the right thing to be doing. And it makes you so confused and overwhelmed by it. And I just want to acknowledge that, that it's totally natural to feel that way and to be wondering, well, is what I'm trying to do the right thing too? Like, how do I know what's the right thing for me and my body? Yeah. And we're not saying that you know, you can't make changes in the new year or like you can't set goals or anything like that. We actually have 
two bonus episodes that we aired last week that are called How to Get Back on Track, quote unquote, without dieting and restriction, and then also non-diet goal setting for the new year that are on our Patreon if you want to check that out. But we also wanted to talk about now, you know, when one of there are a lot of different things that are keeping you in this limbo space that feels very uncomfortable. And we also want to talk about, yeah, we have all these different jumping off points, but people also, the like right before the limbo is you're starting to realize all these different things and like the rose colored glasses are coming off and you're like, wait, <laughs> wait, what is happening? You know, and you're realizing that dieting and restrictive protocols weren't working or sustainable for you anymore. Maybe you started to see that like nothing was changing. You know, the way that you got here to this point of realizing that maybe this isn't for me, but then what the heck am I supposed to do about that? You know, and you start seeing past the point or our goal is for you to start seeing past the point of what's wrong with me to oh, this is snake oil <laughs> and none of this is sustainable, right? And it's it's hard because it's almost like not knowing all of that stuff is easier because when you, you've got a plan, you've got a structure, you've got a list of yes and no foods and you basically being told, well, if I do this perfectly, then I'm going to feel great. And then you do that a couple of times. You're like, but I don't feel great. Like what, what is, 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 am I the problem? Is it me? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a classic case of the math's not mathing is what we end up getting. <laughs> we kind of get to that point where like this math is not mathing, like something's not right. But I think also, too, it's not just so much of like, I'm not feeling great. I think sometimes what can happen, too, for a lot of us is that we're doing these things and then we feel like, like life keeps hitting us in the face with different types of stuff. Like I'm picturing a meme right now of like you're running and like you're like dodging these different things that are coming at you. And it's like Christmas parties, holiday parties, blah, blah, blah stress. The world is in a shitstorm. And like all these different things keep hitting you while you're trying to execute some of these things that you've been doing. And so you kind of feel like you're getting slapped back down. And an analogy that I was giving to Dana before we started recording this was like kind of like this ladder, like you're climbing this ladder and then someone cuts one of the rungs that you're on. And that's like a situation that happens and you slide down and you think it's because you're not strong enough to climb this ladder or that you're not grabbing onto it when you need to, or you don't have the systems in place. The truth is, the point is, is that your life is constantly going to be throwing you curveballs. Things are going to keep moving around you. And if something that you're doing isn't sustainable while life is happening, then it wasn't realistic to begin with. And I think this is the point where a lot of people come to where they're all of a sudden like, I'm fed up. And I think also too, we're tired of feeling like it's our fucking fault. Excuse me. But like, why is it my fault? Like, why is it my fault that like, you know, I, we have two kids, we're running around, we're doing all this stuff and we're trying to get all these things together. Like, why is that our fault that like, it's harder to have access to some of the things that you were doing before or to maintain these behaviors and these things and these protocols that we were doing before. And when you go to the doctor and you're saying like, I'm having a really hard time, when you're met with hearing, well, just try harder. It's like, just pull yourselves up by the bootstraps here, guys. And it's like, no, the playing field is different. And my life is different. And if something requires me to, to, in a way, kind of like, 
shove something into my life that I can't do. It's natural for you to kind of get to this point of being like, well, this is frustrating and I'm fed up. And then you start hearing things about diet culture and about how maybe it has nothing to do with discipline. Maybe it has to do with the fact that these things are restrictive and that you're actually falling into a restrict binge cycle as part of it. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. I know too much. I now know all this stuff and I don't want to participate in that anymore. But then how do I continue or maintain or keep the things that actually do feel good for me and my health and my body and all the things. And I think the hardest part is like when you're at that point where it's like the jig is up. I know too much. <laughs> I know too much. I'm in this weird limbo space and I don't know what to do now. Yeah. So what we want to go into in the next part of this episode is talking about how do we get out of this limbo space? And a big part of that is figuring out why specifically you are stuck in limbo in the first place. So we're going to talk about a bunch of different reasons, and you may be a mishmash of all or many of them, of why people get stuck. And then we'll talk about some more things that we can do, more action steps at the end. So now we're in this weird limbo space and you are at the, cool, I don't want to participate in this super restriction, extreme behaviors, diet culture, whether that's for you or because it's part of a big system or industry, but like, eh, you know, there's all these different, <laughs> there's all these different kind of rebuttals that your brain will be like, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And some of those are like, but I felt really good when I was doing that thing, but I can't keep it up, you know, but I should be doing these protocols or eliminating these foods or taking hundreds of supplements to at least what you've been told. We're going to do a whole nother episode on that um, to manage my symptoms. And then for other people, it's like, but I need to restrict to lose weight or I'm not happy with my body image, right? Or I should be doing this to manage my cholesterol or blood sugar, but I'm just so sick of all of this shit and I just want somebody to fix it for me, right? So how do we go from having this mental gymnastics thunderstorm in our heads and trying to be hypervigilant about our food, perfectionistic, right, for whatever reason, whether it's trying to – you're trying to manage your weight or you're trying to manage your health. You notice I didn't say those were equivalent because they're not. Maybe you're trying to manage your symptoms or manage your anxiety, you know, because restricting your food is a coping tool that people use in times of high anxiety, as we saw during the panorama, panini, whatever we want to call it, but not the actual word, because then all of the podcast platforms will flag this episode. <laughs> but how do we go from that? <laughs> panini. <laughs> how do we go from that to like, well, to hell with this diet culture stuff. And I'm sick of so sick of all this restriction to like, well, but is it okay for me to eat? salads again? Like how do we get from all – how do we go through this whole process to what we would consider a wholehearted eating way of living? And so we're now we're going to talk about the different ways and the different issues of why you're so stuck and why you get so stuck for so long. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that happens a lot of the times is that you get to the stage of thinking like, is any of this even real? Like <laughs> – 
is nutrition real? Does this matter? What is this nutrition advice? Like if I, like a lot of my clients and I will talk about, they're like, I don't even know what the basics of nutrition is. Like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that means. I'm getting it from doctors, but now I'm like, am I getting nutrition advice or is this, or am I getting weight shamed? How do I know what the difference is? How do I know whether or not being pre-diabetic matters and what does that look like? Why are they telling me to cut out all carbs? What does that mean? Like, I don't know what any of this means. So I think sometimes what can happen when we're in this stage of like, I know too much, I think sometimes some people can get to this place of like, I'm just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, um, especially when it comes to nutrition, because it it, like you've been carrying this information. And I also think that this is like a really natural, almost rite of passage for a lot of people. It's not for everybody. And I don't think, I don't want people to believe that you have to go through this stage in order to get to wholehearted eating. But for some people, it really is a natural place to be and to land. And it makes sense. And this comes from certain, like sometimes when you're going down this road of, anti-diet culture and you're like reading more and you're getting more information, there is like a whole thing around the idea of the fuck it stage that you fall into. And a lot of times you'll even hear nutritionists and practitioners kind of being like, this is all messed up and tainted and none of it's real and you don't need to participate in any of it. And that can be really like in for some people incredibly empowering and a really cool place to be because they've needed that permission to let go around food for a really long time. And for others, you can kind of get stuck in, like, well, I think for anybody, but like, you can kind of get stuck in this stage of like, is nutrition real? When does this matter? How does this matter? What happens if my cholesterol changes? How do I manage these different things? What are the studies? What is real? Is all nutrition nonsense? Or like, does this even matter at all? Like, are processed foods bad? Or are they okay? Like, what does this mean? I don't know what any of this is. And I think you can hear how all of these questions start to come up and it's really natural for you to fall into this place because as you start to undo diet culture in your life and on the system, like the platforms that you're learning from and you're listening to, you might start to think like everything I've ever been told is maybe wrong or it's been, or the possibility is, has it been presented to me in a way that is actually wrong? But some of the information itself isn't necessarily needs to be thrown out with the baby in the bathwater or whatever. <laughs> Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, that's what makes it so confusing, right? Is like you have yeah. all of these various people and practitioners with many, many credentials who use some who use evidence based practice. Um, but then you get the messaging like in in the same not only in the same day or in the same hour in the same scroll on your instagram you could get nutrition is the root of all disease or health and every single bite in that you put in your mouth is either helpful or inflammatory you could get that and then the next scroll down you could get nutrition doesn't matter eat whatever you want it doesn't affect your health and you're like what <laughs> what? Like those are literally two diametrically opposed viewpoints. 
And it's like, how how am I supposed to make sense of this? Like, of course, we're all confused because in addition to the crazy amounts of just vast amount of information that is out there, the amount of diametrically opposed opinions that you can find a study for everything in nutrition and really everything in general. But like you can find – I. I have not looked this up because I don't really care to, but I have never looked up studies on like the carnivore diet, but I'm sure at some point there are going to be some on there, right? But like you can find studies on like the carnivore diet and you can find studies on raw vegan. You can find studies on fruitarian, which is only people who only eat fruit, and you can find studies on people who never eat fruit, you know? So it's very, very confusing. And this is why we always go back to like this is one of the roots that we choose to – um keep is like everyone is different, <laughs> right? Like we, there's this concept of bioindividuality, right? And in the way that it was framed and the way that we were taught it is that like everyone has an extremely unique set of circumstances and everyone needs an extremely personalized diet and they must follow this diet to the T or they're going to be sick because based on all these different factors where really it's, well, yeah, everybody's different. So there's no broad sweeping statement that any influencer credentialed or not out there can be like, yes, this is going to work for everybody. But that is on the one hand, a really nice permission slip and also super confusing because then it's like, that's cool. Now what do I do? You know? And it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really confusing because there's so much information out there and you're like, well, cool. You know, everybody's different. So how do I make sense of this for myself? And then um, you may receive some, you know, advice that's like, well, just try a bunch of things and see what it works. And it's like, I don't time for that shit are you kidding (laughs) also that's kind of what you've been already been doing right so i think like that kind of advice although is like thoughtful it's not really that useful of or practical advice because you've already kind of been doing that we've been jumping from diets to diets and being hyper vigilant around our food for as long as we can freaking remember so saying trying different things is kind of like well that's what i've been doing so how is that any different than now And I think the truth is a lot of people who are in this stage, you're in what Dana and I have referred to as the nutrition jungle, where you're just kind of standing there wondering, what the heck do I do now? How do I do this? And is everything I've ever eaten that was considered to be healthy, bad, or not necessary, or irrelevant, or how does this work? And I think another thing like of why people get stuck here too, and I think you can be both, right? Both things can happen at the same time. You can be kind of screw nutrition. I've learned all this information or I'm undoing all of this things that I've like been obsessed with. And at the same time, you might be like, I mean, learning about body diversity, neutrality. And I really believe that for other people. But for me, not so much. That's like a little bit harder for me to get there. Or when your body starts changing in a way that doesn't feel like a quote unquote right direction, you can get really uncomfortable. And this can kind of put you in that limbo state too, where it's like, it's cool for them, but not for me. Because I'm not okay with what's going on with my body. And that body image stuff can like start to get pulled in. And I think this is where like something that I talk about a lot is like the outcome attachment that we have. Like we're cool with saying throwing the baby out with the bathwater up until a certain point. And then we're like, the baby's out of the bathwater. No, what do we do? I'm laughing at myself. (laughs) 
But I think it's like something to think about too. It's like that we can't talk about this, this limbo state without talking about how our body image comes in because it always does. Especially because for for a lot of people, one of the reasons that we get involved with food <laughs> in a relationship, right, whether positive, negative, or neutral, not neutral for most people unless you've been working on it for a long time, is because of our body image and because of our weight and because of a lot of different things. So if the body image and size, shape, weight, all of the above, any of the above continues to be a concern for whatever reason, the food piece is not going to go away, at least not overnight, you know? And so it's interesting. I was just talking with a client about this the other day. Is like, you know, we've been working on food neutrality and going back to the basics of nutrition and untangling why we had all these very, what we call limiting beliefs around food and body image and exercise and everything that goes into this, right? And at the same time, like, you can be working towards neutrality with all of that and about body in general. And you can know in your heart of hearts and in your head, right? We say like head brain, heart brain, that like health does not equal your weight and my worth does not equal my weight and all these other things. And you can still be physically uncomfortable and unhappy with your body. And that's a really hard place to be because then you're like, well, <laughs> well, now what do I do? You know, because then some people will be like, but you know, the the only way that I've known to change my body in the past is like eat less and exercise more. The classic advice that doctors love to give, right? But they're like, but I don't want to do that anymore. But does that mean that I just have to be uncomfortable in my body forever? You know, so it's a very, there's many different, again, entry points into this, the body image piece of this limbo, you know, and I feel like this is one of the areas that we always come back to with our clients. You know, we've had hours and hours and hours of conversations with our clients about this because this is hard. You know, like this part is not easy. If it was easy, you would not all be here. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. Nobody would be here. You know, it's this stuff is hard. So we don't want you to feel like you should have figured everything out by this point, even if you've been working on this for years. Because like Christina mentioned before, life comes up. And things come up and bodies change and that is normal. But just because it's normal that bodies change doesn't mean you're always going to be immediately comfortable with that. And if you're not immediately comfortable with that, that doesn't mean that you're back to square one. Yeah. I also want to just note, too, that this also comes up a lot. The body image stuff comes up a lot for individuals who maybe – where accessibility is an issue, right? Maybe their body, like their body is larger than airplane seats or like the, the systems that are at play that keep them in this body image state of, but I have to actually change this to be more comfortable in society. I don't have access to clothing the same way that other people do. And I care about that kind of thing, or I want to do that kind of thing. And I've never been able to. And I think that is also like a very real place where a lot of people can live and that we that's not talked about a lot. There's a lot of really great practitioners who talk about that all the time, like um, the Center for Body Trust, Dana and Hillary talk about in Reclaiming Body Trust and all of the different things. There's so many different pieces of that. But I think it's really important to note, too, that two things can be true at the same time, right? You can have body image stuff and be living in this place of, 
I actually really do want to change my body because of the systems that are at play and at the same time be like, I know too much now and I don't really want to participate in that. But then how do I create a body map for myself that feels more aligned with that? And at the same time, how do I undo these aggressions that happen to me on a daily, weekly, moment-to-moment basis when I'm trying to do this stuff. And it can really feel like this really big uphill battle. And I just want you to know, and I know Dana wants you to know too, that you can be here and you can still do all of this and be living in that body all at the same time. And that's really important for people to hear which I think is a good transition into the next, why am I stuck, um, is talking about <laughs> health, right? Because yeah. what a part of this is we – and we say this all the time, like, but what about my health, right? And the reason that we say that is because in this culture, weight and health are so intertwined. And as millennials that we are, this is what we've been fed our entire lives. And we go to the doctor and you have one hair out of place and they're like, well, if you just lost weight, then it would be better. And it's like, okay, cool. Thanks. But I mean, one of the reasons that people get stuck here is like, well, what if I have a lab marker that comes back out of range? Like, don't I have to lose weight to fix this? You know, and but but what about my health is a hard one. And we can do this by working on, you know, what does health actually mean? What does health look like for you? And not in a sense of health has a certain look, but what do you prioritize in your life that if you have a value of health, what does that look like for you in terms of the different components that you want it to encompass, right? And one of the biggest issues that we see with this is that nutrition and health-promoting behaviors have been tainted by diet and wellness culture to the point where it feels like diet and wellness culture culture owns health-promoting behaviors, whereas what we try and always harp on and go back to with our clients is like independent of weight loss, and there are studies that support this and we can put them in the show notes, is health-promoting behaviors are going to in- improve health outcomes regardless of weight loss, meaning You can do the things and not lose any weight and your health outcomes will still improve. And I think one of the things that holds us back from being able to do this and one of the things in that falls into all of these different categories is these kind of perfectionist all or nothing mentality. And it's like I either have to be all in or I have to be all out, right? Because I always have to be doing something. If I want to fix something something that's out of balance, something that's out of homeostasis, something that feels wrong, I feel like I have to do all of the things or I'm not doing anything or I'm not doing enough. And the interesting thing is, again, going back to the like uh, carnivore diet versus vegan, like two diametrically opposed things, is like this all or nothing mentality, very interestingly, we know it comes up in diet culture, but it also comes up in the like nutrition doesn't matter side of things. And it's like either you're with us or without us. And this is another reason that people get stuck in this middle because I can't even tell you the number of clients that have told me if like, you know, I I left like the whole 30 diet culture thing, but then I was looking at this other side of these people who are like, you know, yay body diversity and like yay all these other things, but also like nutrition doesn't matter. And if you ever even have a thought of weight loss ever again, you don't belong with us. And we're not saying that that is the whole other side. That's definitely like a subset of people in there. 
But that is very exclusionary. And then you feel like you're in this no man's land. But the real issue here is this all or nothing mentality. Because if you maintain that very perfectionistic, I must do things in an all or nothing kind of way, you can't live in the middle because the middle is not all or nothing. The middle is very gray. You know, it's a mix. And so when we think about gray, yeah, everybody hates the gray. And the thing about you don't hear about unless you follow. I mean, we hope God, if you listen to this podcast, we hope you follow us at wholehearted eating pod on Instagram. But (laughs) but it's like the thing about social media and the thing that makes this very hard is the gray, the middle, the balance. It's not SEO friendly. It's not clickable. It's not. Oh, my God, I need to share that with all my friends. This is so salacious or hilarious or whatever it is. You know, these are not the things that are getting shared all over the place because it's not sexy. It's not glaring. It's not any of these things. It's like, okay, well, I can do these health-promoting behaviors. I don't have to do them all the time. We talk about intentional flexibility all the time and trying to get away from perfectionism because it's these things that you do consistently sometimes or most of the time that lead to you being able to do those things in the long term without feeling like, oh, I'm failing if I take one step out of line, or my symptoms are now my fault if I do one thing outside of this perfect protocol that I'm supposed to be doing. And these tendencies that a lot of people have towards people-pleasing and perfectionism, which are tend to be the people that excel, thrive, amazing at like diets and protocols and all these things, these are the people that have the hardest time leaving this limbo space because they're like, but I'm but I'm supposed to be doing that. I need this like set list of rules and steps and give me a system and I want to do it. And we're like, well, actually, <laughs> no. <laughs> Pause right there. Um, that's the problem. But, you know, I think one thing that I think is kind of interesting, too, when we get to like the, but what about my health conversation, too, is that I think Sometimes what can happen is we we tend to, because of the way that we've been mentally trained to think about our bodies and health, is that we either give credit or we blame our body and or food on whatever our health outcome is. So let's say like your health is really great and your lab markers are wonderful and you're going to be like, great, I'm eating really well. My body is fantastic. Bing, 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 bing. I'm crushing out of life. And then let's say your lab markers come back and there's something out of range and you're like, I need to lose weight. My food is shit. Bing, 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 bing. I need to do all of these things in order to fix it. And I think sometimes what we 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 either like praise or blame food for how our health is impacted. And the truth is there are so many other factors that impact our health. And I think that's often forgotten. Yes, food can play a role in that. Yes, there are lots of things that can play a role in how our body's health outcomes can get plated. And we are not people who say that nutrition is nonsense. We are nutritionists. <laughs> we went to school for this. We love food. We think food is awesome. I love me some veggies. You know, I also love me some Lucky Charms. So I'm just throwing that out there. So I think one of the things that can happen is we do either like put blame or praise on these things. And I think when you start to look at it that way and being like, oh, shit, we do do that. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, damn it. It's a lot more complicated than that. It can be really, really hard to be like, well, now what do I do? 
now how do I do this? Now that I know, like, I think that the truth and the reality that's really hard is that we don't have as much control over that outcome as we think that we do. And I think that's really like our health outcomes, our body outcomes, all of the circumstance outcomes, all of those things, we don't have nearly as much control around. And you might be saying, but Christina, I can control what I eat. (laughs) And I can control how much I'm exercising and all these things, which, yes, you actually can, but you don't have control over that outcome. So you can be doing all of those things and pulling a thread around having it be bad for your mental health, having it being bad for your physical health because you're overly restricting or you're binging or you're doing all these different types of things or teeter-tottering between the two things, extreme exercise, that's not actually good for your body. And so, yes, you... Uh, Yes, you might actually be able to control those things, but the outcome that you think that it's controlling, you have no control over. And I think that's really hard. Especially because you've been told your entire life, if you just do these behaviors, these behaviors go in a linear line to this outcome. And if we success is yes, here, success is here. <laughs> and you know, even if you've seen, we've all seen the graphs on like social media and maybe Pinterest back in the day. It's like weight loss doesn't go in a straight line. Weight loss goes on a roller coaster up and down and blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, and it's not just food and exercise and water, you know. And we're not like, oh, well, it's it's food, exercise, water, and sleep. You know, it's so <laughs> many other things that go into this. And stress management. Oh my God. <laughs> like there's so there's so many things, right? And burnout and everything. And so I think one of the things that is really hard is that unless you have a practitioner working with you who understands this nuance and is going to support you in that, you're really left to your own devices to figure this out. And haven't we been trying to figure this out all on our own for way too long, guys? It is time to stop trying to figure everything out on your own. Social media is not going to have the answer for you. This podcast is not going to have all the answers for you. There's so much nuance that goes into everything. And social media is where nuance goes to die most of the time. And so we have to think about what can we do and how can we move forward in this limbo space and be able to remind ourselves that diet culture doesn't own health-promoting behaviors. Diet culture doesn't own vegetables. Wholehearted eating doesn't own eating protein, fat, and carbohydrates. (laughs) Like, you know, these things don't own it, but yet we think that it does because we've been sold it in this platform of if we do these things, follow this stuff, this is what's going to end up happening. And I think it's really important for people to identify with that. And like you can't all of a sudden, if you've been coming straight from diet culture, leapfrog over to having a neutral relationship with food and body and all this stuff. We have to actually work on our baggage that we're carrying around with us that's come with us from diet culture. And this is where working with somebody who understands that, and maybe not even nutritionist yet. Maybe your first step is actually a therapist who understands and who can work on this and what the deeper root is and getting in there before you start working on implementing some of these things. Or maybe it's in tandem, you know, but I think it's so important to pay attention to that and to realize like, one, 
these things don't own the outcome. The the steps to this outcome are a lot more nuanced and more complicated than I've ever been told. And I don't have nearly as much control over them. And that still, at the same time, doesn't mean I have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Here's a little, I was going to say fun, but it's not fun. It's it's an illuminating <laughs> exercise, right? To go into your own brain and be like, in my brain, does diet culture or X protocol or whatever own vegetables or health-promoting behaviors? If you can right now go into your fridge or pantry or whatever or at the grocery store and be like, oh, my God, I can't eat that food. That's what I used to eat on Whole30. Or like, oh, my God, I can't have that salad dressing because that's what I did on paleo. Or, oh, my God, I can't, you know. If you can bring a certain food to mind and be like, oh, I cannot interact neutrally with that food because that's my low-carb food. That's my Atkins food. That's my, you know, whatever. Diet culture still has a hold on that food for you currently in this season of your life. That doesn't mean that it's going to be there forever. That means we have some untangling to do, which is ultimately the entire uh, illuminating fact of this episode. We all have some untangling to do, right? But we we wanted to do this episode because this is something that is extremely, extremely common. I would say most of the clients that are coming to us are like, <laughs> I'm stuck in this middle and I don't know what to do with it. Please help me sort my shit out, right? And ultimately, that's what a practitioner can help you do, right? But the takeaway here that we wanted to leave you all with, aside from like, this is hard, we get it, and of course you're stuck here. How could you not be stuck at a certain point? But it's if you want to get out of this limbo state, you can maybe use some of these different examples or trajectories and either think about or work with a therapist or a practitioner like us to help figure out what is keeping me stuck in this middle? You know, is it health concerns? Is it body image? Is it does nutrition matter? You know, is it I'm trying to manage my symptoms? Is it I have a history of disordered eating? You know, is it there are so many different things that can either live on their own or cross paths. And then once you figure out what are my different components that are keeping me stuck here, then you can start to figure out, okay, how do I make a non-perfectionistic, sustainable path going forward that helps you with the reason that you got here in the first place? (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I think I want to say one quick thing for my eating disorder peeps out there who maybe are listening. When Dana talked about going to the grocery store and finding certain types of things, I want to just remind you, depending on where you are in the stage, it still might not be safe for you to have that food yet. Oh, no. I wasn't saying buy all the things. <laughs> I weren't I weren't saying – I know you weren't saying that, but I wanted to make it abundantly clear <laughs> for the people who maybe are like, ooh, okay, <laughs> and taking that like challenge accepted, Dana, and like going to go do it. I just wanted to point that out too that like even for not anyone doing that I think it's important to to just remember too is that all of these things all this is all we're pointing out here is that there are there's diet culture emotional baggage that we need to unravel and untangle a little bit and sort out and understand before we start making executed change Maybe you've done some of that already. Maybe the first step could be like, wow, why am I so weird about eating things from my old, like an old paleo book or whatever it is? Why am I so weird about that? Or how can I take something from an old book that I have and 
make it a little bit more what I would eat now. Like take a recipe that I really like. And if it was like a grain-free, dairy-free, can I add dairy and grain to it and have it be like this thing that I like? These are all like little things. But I think it's just important to remember that this is all of this is really like there's a reason why you're stuck here, like Dana's saying. And you have to have and you can make a sustainable plan. And you have to do that with somebody who can help you weed through all of that and you don't have to go through that alone and this is a really difficult time this time of year when everyone's talking about all the things that you're doing and you might be thinking oh shouldn't I be doing something or like fuck that they're doing all kinds of nonsense I'm not participating awesome right and we're here for the people who are like oh what do I do now like that's what this episode is for yeah and we have a bunch of episodes that kind of branch off from this topic, both with us and with guests that are going to be coming up. We're going to be doing a lot of like mindset stuff. We have some really cool guests coming up. Um, So yeah, stay tuned. And then like I mentioned before, we do have, if you're kind of in this middle floundering, you're like, but I want to do something for the new year, but I don't want it to be restrictive and I don't want it to be perfectionistic. And like, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling all discombobulated and whatever after the holidays we do have two bonus episodes over on patreon and so those will be linked in the show notes and we'll talk to you guys next week also if you want to plan because we do love a good plan there's the meal planning power hour that would be awesome to do for january if you want a little something to be like i need a little something something this will help you out and also there are meal plans in patreon that can help you come up with what the fuck should i eat this week we got that covered. Without a perfectionistic or dieting <laughs> approach to it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we re- rename it? What the fuck should I eat this week? <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> That's what it's going to be called. <laughs> hey, friends. It's Dana. And thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholeheartedeating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.